Peter Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the internet. And joining me on this recording are my co-hosts. I'm Sam. I've been eaten by the Fitbit monster. I'm Mac, and I am Mr. Easy Street. I'm Trent, and I haven't charged my Fitbit in 15 days. Damn, Trent. You haven't fed it in 15 days. It's going to be mad at you. Just feed it the baby. <laughs> Don't feed it the baby. <laughs> he's a cute baby. The cutest. He's, not, he's can, not like other babies. Can you strap a Fitbit <laughs> to a sm- to like an infant? You could. I don't. I don't think you'd hit your step goal though. <laughs> That's true. I just wonder, you know, if they crawl a lot, does it count? Or like bounce up and down and ah, you know, does does that count? I think it tracks most movement. Yeah. Probably get more steps than I would. Well, okay, you're you're on the cancer diet. That's different. Well, still. I went for that's a, that's a statement. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Scott, it's a real. It's a, it's a real joke. Y'all know it. It's not like I, I love you too, but ow. Well, it's not like I'm eating tumors or anything. So you know that would be. That would be kind of weird and surreal and hilarious. Yes. But speaking of weird and surreal, this is, of course, our 4,000th episode. Whoa. No, it's not. Yeah. Nope, nope. The numbers don't matter anymore. We we are now cycling through numbers at random. So this is episode 4,000. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and, for, and our topic for the day is... Difficulty. Now, as is tradition uh, for this show, there are two ways I can introduce a topic, either with a rant or with a bizarre analogy. So, would anyone like to take a moment to bet what I've got? Bizarre analogy. analogy. Uh, It's going to be analogy. I would prefer rant. Okay. Well, there's a rant later, but it starts with a bizarre analogy, which is that the players of video games talk about game difficulty the exact same way 15-year-olds talk about scotch. What? Yes. Well, at least you didn't disappoint us with the bizarre part of the analogy. Okay. It, well, no, it, it, no, it it holds up. It's like, you know, because when you're 15, you know, I totally stuck some on my dad's McAllen. I got so... And... The same holds true of, I totally snuck to snuck into uh, hard mode on Bloodborne, and I got so f***ed up. It's, it's just this weird 
badge of honor process that, you know, and I specifically say scotch because you can appreciate what things are difficult and why, and I want to discuss that side of it. And also just put down bros that like Dark Souls because it's hard. That's okay. I like it because it's fun, not because it's hard. And I'm totally down with people, downing people who say you must get good. Get good at appreciating your fellow members of the culture. Yeah. Treating people with respect souls. Respect souls? <laughs> respect souls. <laughs> blood, blood respect? Respect born. Respect blood. This no. sounds like an awful like gang, and I I I don't want to be a, a part of it at all. All right, but I just want to. That just sounds whack, Scott. Wiggity whack. Just regular kind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to break down that there are, I guess, types of difficulty and ways to generate difficulty, and because we're RPGs, uh, a lot of the ways we generate difficulty is through bullshit. Just straight up bullshit, super robot wars, the thing's got a million hit points and it regens every round. Good luck, it's the final boss. Right? Uh, yeah, or, or like in uh, JRPGs where in the final dungeon you have a random encounter every three steps. Oh yeah. And they're just... harder than every other boss you've fought to that point. Yeah, you're yep. basically fighting bosses all the way up to the final boss. <laughs> or I've got another favorite, which is here's a boss rush before your final boss. Or, uh, I'm sorry, these were only my halfway there points. There's there's a whole other bar. <laughs> like, or, 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 or it could be, like, prescriptive difficulty, where you can beat the boss, but only if you do exactly what the game wants you to do. Oh, yeah, the, the Valkyria Chronicles boss fight, where it's like, there is one way to beat this tank, one way. Enjoy, and it's yeah. not by any kind of logical means that would make sense. It's by abusing like your weakest characters and making them, you know, go into the certain mode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so. So there's that, and I think yeah, the JRPG difficulty thing is mostly just making the numbers bigger or making the enemies' patterns so obtuse that you have to. You're just stuck in fact mode. Now, I can see this this topic really angering some people because that's one of the biggest, like, anger, hate emails or threads that I ever got was complaining that a game might, quote, might require grinding to complete, to which I don't even remember the dude's name now, but some person who was apparently master of all strategy RPGs decided, hey, you know, that's not true. You know, if you follow all these guidelines and know how to abuse these things, that means you're actually good at games. If you cheese every subsystem, you're good at games. Oh my gosh. If you cheese every subsystem, you're good at games. That's my least favorite discussion around games like Final Fantasy Tactics, where it's like, Oh, yeah, if you just use the Gemini system and be aware of the astrological signs, creating a decent party and going through the game shouldn't require any grinding. Okay, well, maybe sometimes I like grinding, and maybe I don't want to align my party based on what month they were born in. 
Like, also, <laughs> like it's kind I of ridiculous. Need, I, I don't want three charts to play my game, right? I don't need three charts to play my game. I just... And again, I don't mind grinding if the actual interface is fun. We've talked about this before. It's, you know what, we, we, can, we can zen out on grind. It's fine. But if that's what you need to do to win, except this one thing that they don't explain in any of the tutorials, well, guess what? Guess what? You must not be good at games. Yeah. Well, and, let's be honest. Like, there are plenty of series out there where that's the argument. And SMT is, is the greatest uh, source of frustration for a lot of people because of the fact that you do have a lot of players out there who, like in Matt's case, get told, no, you have to do it this specific way or else you can't beat the game. Mm -hmm. um, and I would argue that that is total and utter bullshit. Um, yes, I find SMT games a little on the grindy side, but like Scott said, I think there's that case where if the battle system is good, you kind of don't care. Yeah, and, and this is it, is that there are, there are lots of ways to generate difficulty, and I think we are now in the age of the rogue-like light roguelite like the the procedurally generated death maze of where everything does that and i mean those aren't necessarily difficult and i won't and this is where i'm going to draw a, a distinction between difficult and punishing is that a lot of games that play something resembling rogue are punishing in that if you die you lose all or most or certain aspects of your progress. Right. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean the minute-to-minute -minute is hard, but it is just, hey, you finally failed. Smack. Well, I think that's justified to an extent, though, right? Well, they, they telegraph that, but I'm saying that there is a diff difference between being difficult and punishing, because right. Dark Souls, um, to point it out, is not especially punishing right i mean it's it's i mean it's not you know it, it it's not fallout but it's but it's difficulty is one thing and it's punishment factor is another yeah right. and as somebody who has actually played and beaten all of the souls born games and somebody who is adamant about playing games on easy mode i can definitely speak to that aspect of things because in in games like Dark Souls, yes, there is some punishment. There are some difficult spots. And the hardest part comes from the fact that we are so ingrained when we play games that dying in a game is the worst thing. And you're like, oh, you know, we've died, game over. How dare this game throw a you've died screen or you've lost things that you were gathering up. Yeah, it hurts the first time you have like 10,000 or 40,000 souls that you've built up and you were going to spend on something and boom, you die and oh no, you have to go back and get those. And if you don't get those without dying again, they're gone forever. Right. And some people and see that as the ultimate clear. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, The rules of the souls are pretty clear and you you know what you're getting in for and you have plenty of opportunity to play the game very cautiously, and 
the game also sort of encourages you to get greedy. You you can push a little farther, right? You can go. You yeah. can do it. Because the reward smack. Yep. Well, it's it's a, it's important though in those types of games in particular where you're looking at your stats constantly and you're collecting uh, different pieces of equipment and and currencies. It, there there needs to be a degree of consequence to failing to perform. Otherwise, you have a game like Too Human where you can die uh, 500 times and the only consequence is seeing this like. 20 second long animation take place which just turns (laughs) you off to the experience right pretty much well this is where my analogy to scotch comes back because dark souls yeah yeah it's a 15 year old space side it is a smack in the face with spiciness and smoke and bog and it is all the flavors at once in your face but you lean back and let it happen, and it's pretty good. Yeah, and that's the whole reason I can enjoy those games, is once I got over that initial hump of, okay, I died, I lost all of this, yes, it is kind of dis, you know, it's kind of brutal and disheartening, but it's not the whole focus of it. Your mindset has to change from this is the worst thing ever to this is part of the game. And that's another reason that like the roguelite rogue, rogue light, roguelike type games that you mentioned earlier are not necessarily something that I hate, but it's hard for me to get into the mindset of those because I have a hard time losing everything that I've built up to that point. And I know some of them have things where you can store items and you can get those items when you come back. The one thing I do like about Dark Souls games or the difficulty there doesn't bother me as much. And oddly enough, it shares this with like Dragon Quest games is that anything you do within a dungeon, any shortcuts you unlock, any treasures you find, items are kept, shortcuts are unlocked. And when you die, those things are still accessible. You there, can, there's a persistence. Yes. You've you've lost currency. The same as like in a Dragon Quest game. You lose part of your currency. You lose all of your currency with the ability to get it back in Dark Souls. But your persistence in the world, the progress you've made in those dungeons, if you've made a little bit, is still there. If you've found an item, you still have that item. And I think and I think you can use that sort of sense of progress and loss and punishment versus difficulty to set a really specific tone. And I'm going to reference one of my favorite games that I'll probably never beat, but I'll love losing constantly is Darkest Dungeon. Because it doesn't cast you as a character, it casts you as a manager of a bunch of characters. And you're constantly just putting your little mans through the ringer and then getting rid of them when they're too much trouble. You are sending them to do the worst, experience the worst, come back out maybe with one victory condition met, maybe, and then saying, oh, you're diseased and crazy? Uh, you, c- you can just wander off into the moors to be eaten by vampires or something, buddy. Because new wagon load of meat is always coming in for me to exploit. <laughs> And I, yeah. using using punishment and difficulty 
to tell part of the story and to force the character the player into a certain mindset of the world is great like scotch <laughs> Really, what I'm feeling today is that apparently I need to give Scott scotch. That there, there's a Glenfiddich IPA condition thing that I want, but I'm gonna wait till Christmas to buy it because it's kind of spendy. <laughs> oh lord. Yes, but I mean, difficulty in some things, kind of like you mentioned, is it's tolerable in some games and it's understandable in some, and some people live for the difficulty. Some people want to play on the hardest. They enjoy that challenge. and They want to be the guy. Yeah, and I take nothing away from those people that want that kind of experience. I do take issue, like we said, with the whole get good mentality of you have well, to play this, you have to play it on that, you know, things like that. Well, I don't let's care jump for that back whatsoever. Like, let's jump back like eight years to Jen Hepler, right? She Remember her? She was a writer at Bioware. She was like, her, she made an offhand combat comment in an interview that, hey, there are every game offers a button to skip dialogue, but no games offer a button to skip a combat encounter. Wouldn't that be great for people like me who aren't necessarily interested in the minutia of managing a fantasy character's gambit system or quasi-gambit system mm -hmm. to... You know, ju just to see how this story ends. And the internet went nuts on her, and I think she's still to blame for Andromeda somehow. <laughs> well, if we're being frank, though, that's kind of... It's not a game if you can just skip through actual gameplay and you're just watching cutscenes. Like, you, you can watch a YouTube video that collects all the cutscenes if you want. You, that experience lies elsewhere, you know what I mean? But, but what you're saying is that, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could take this third-person shooter action role-playing game and make it a visual novel? Um, that's going to be concerning for any fan of any franchise who hears that. And, and that's, well, okay. that's not me like, trying to justify any hatred that's come her way or, or any uh, spite, uh, but uh, that's a loaded comment, I guess is what I'm saying. You're basically saying, well, wouldn't it be nice if I could make this game not a game at all? <laughs> well, no, I think, well, I think there's something yeah. to be said for games that say, hey, you've lost a bunch. Do you want to skip this bit like again there are games that have done that there yeah. are games that have well, let you adjust the difficulty down after a loss yep uh if you die 50 times in one level in halo one they give you an infinite ammo pistol well um in yakuza it's the same thing if you die i think it's three times i think on, it's only say, twice tw i know in the original on ps2 it was like three yeah it they, um, they've, they've offered that a little more yeah often now. more more frequently but yeah if you died like twice on let's say normal it would say hey do you want to just put it on easy for this battle and it would just be for that battle and there are some pretty bullshit battles in yakuza games and also so, i think there's something to yeah. be said for having i don't know the alternate cut of a game where it is the visual novel version i don't know if I don't know if that's a main game. I don't know if that's something you want to that necessarily want to. No, well, what not not the visual novel spinoff, but like the idea of 
Mass Effect 2, but if you spend five bucks, you get the DLC pack that lets you just do all the dialogue sequences. No, the, the reason I'm saying this is there was a Xenosaga game on DS that we never got in English that Gaijin reviewed, and that was actually exactly what you just stated. It was, for people who didn't want to play Xenosaga 1 and 2, you had this super condensed version of it. I don't know, Mac, if you remember that. I do. I don't remember a lot of the details since it was really imported and it wasn't fully, yeah, it was, in, I mean, um, fully in English and stuff. But they did simplify the battle system quite a bit and streamline things. But I don't think it took it quite to the extent like, like Trent was mentioning, like making it yeah. Call of Duty the novel, you know. <laughs> You're not getting like modern warfare where it's just, you know, flipping through lines of text and stuff like that, or where you don't have any shooter segments. You just kind of watch the cutscenes. But can, can I, I have I think Call of Duty, the visual novel? Because <laughs> I, I would play that. I think having, so, having I options. Soap is, notices me. <laughs> having options is not a bad thing. As long as it doesn't change, you know, it's like Trent said, you know, it's a, it's a loaded statement because you don't want to change the entire experience for everyone. Because there's people that want that specific thing. It's like a lot of people going back to the Dark Souls games. A lot of people have clamored for an easy mode on those games. And you get one side of the community that says, no, that would be the worst thing ever. It's, it would screw things up. It would be horrible. And another side that says, why not make the games more accessible for people? Why not say... And the director agrees, so yeah. yeah. Well, and and that's that's currently going on with Destiny too, uh, because the the single player campaign is a fairly curated, uh, fairly accessible experience uh, relative <laughs> to the first Destiny, at least, where it's it's not necessarily all about the stats makeup and the scaling of the difficulties of enemies seems to have been adjusted considerably. Uh, and what you find is that it's a more cohesive experience. It's it's a funner uh, way to experience, you know, a 13-hour single-player campaign uh, than uh, the piecework that was in the original Destiny. But then you have community members who uh, were there since the days of Vanilla Destiny and uh, the Dinkle <laughs> ghost, <laughs> uh, and and they and they take uh, issue with it because it's not. It's not what they think the pure distilled experience is supposed to look like. I, I, I certainly advocate in favor of options. There are plenty of people like me who have uh, considerably small amounts of time to invest in video games and, and want to see as much as they can with the limited mm -hmm. time that they have. And I think those people deserve to have the same experience. Well, not necessarily the same if, if we're talking about difficulty level, but to, but to see the same things. Um, but I but I wouldn't say that that means uh, trashing what already works in favor of replacing it with something that's a little bit more accessible. I think that's the beauty of difficulty settings, right? Yeah. Well, there's a big argument for aesthetics versus accessibility, right? I mean, with Dark Soul fans, I think you look at the fact that an easy mode changes the aesthetic of the whole game. Not well, I think you can communicate to the player that they do not matter well, and, without and necessarily beating them to death every other encounter. Well, and that's what I'm getting at. It's the idea that I think both those things can work in tandem, even for games like that. I think, I think accessibility should always be a priority in a video game, especially... 
um, you know, we're now away from the days of the NES where there wasn't really any games where there was a difficulty option. Um, but we're now at the stage where we should be able to have, you know, a difficulty option for everybody. You want a super casual experience playing Persona 5? You can do that. Mm -hmm. And play it completely on the safe mode, just as you can also play it on stupid, ridiculous, hard. And I think the key is to make sure that everything, like, you, you're not hiding content from people that go low. And I know there's, yes. there, there is sort of a tradition of, no, no, the best ending is the hardest on the hardest oh, difficulty, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I got, King, I got, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yeah, Kingdom Hearts, yeah. I got issues. Final Fantasy ten two. No, ten two. you just had to do everything. everything. It's still frustrating. Oh, it's frustrating, but it's a try of patience, not skill. Yeah, and I'm, I'm the kind of person who welcomes difficulty options, and going back to some of the things you've said, like... I don't have a problem with their making an easy mode of something like a Dark Souls game. Now, people complain about that one because there are co-op options, there's PvP, things like that, and you would have to make concessions for that and maybe wall people off that are playing on easy mode into their own section versus those that are playing on normal. Well, there's, think... there's things that you would have to do probably to not impact those that wanted the regular experience. But there's no reason not to do that, other than it would take up time and resources, and that's beyond, really, that's just, you know, armchair that, that, developer at that point. It, it's armchair developer, and I mean, I'll forgive things, you know, I'll forgive a developer if they say, yeah, we were under the gun, we couldn't implement it the way we wanted. But it's also sort of like, eh, maybe you could. And I think, well, I think back to Diablo 2. Now, Diablo 2 is not hard. But I played co-op with a guy who would open up um, the console commands and always, always, always set the enemy spawn rate as though there were eight players in co-op, which just turned the game into a slog. Why did you play with this person? They sound awful. <laughs> <laughs> you have regrets. <laughs> yeah, I have regrets. But it was, it was just like, no, no, if we play this way, we get more stuff. And I'm like... I thought we were playing to have a pleasant afternoon together. This is not a pleasant afternoon, but, but Tim. See, you you bring up a really good point about people's priorities when it comes to difficulty. Yes. I mean, for Diablo players, yeah, playing on like a harder a harder setting means you get all the better loots. But not every person wants to do that. That's what makes playing just a co-op game with somebody else difficult. If you don't have the same priorities, um, it does make it a lot harder. That's that's personally why, for example, I love Overwatch, because for what it's worth, there's no like if I if I play the game on a higher difficulty, I get better stuff. Everybody gets the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Everybody's on the same playing field, and that game really is more about skill. Like if you're fighting a Genji player who just happens to be really good, well, then they're just really good. Yeah. It has nothing to do with, like, you sucking. It's just... And, and again, it's a game that rewards everybody. Like, it will tell you, you, you did this amount of damage during the game. Congratulations. Or, you know, you're on the board because you had the most kills for this session. So stuff like that, I still think, is a great reward. And it 
changes the way in which you prioritize well, how you play a game. There's also victory conditions, right? Yeah. There, there's this idea that, and other other genres have this in spades, where it's you know, you 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 played in a mode that rewards a different playstyle than straight up being good at it. Like Splatoon, you just have to claim space. If you want to run around in a circle spraying paint on the walls and not actually try to fight anyone, you're still contributing. Yep. And RPGs, even single player, just don't have that in a weird way, that it's it, there, there's only one kind of encounter, and that is to the death. Again, unless you're playing something like, and you know I'm going to say it, Scott, the Atelier series. Well, even the Atelier games force you to go out into the dungeons and find things and beat monsters. While that's true, I mean, the reward is you get gifts, but there's no, like, you have to go fight the final... Like, the older Atelier games is actually a better example of this, where it's not necessarily about fighting the final boss, it's you know, if you make this item, you can progress the story. Or if you make the item ten different ways, you can still progress. Uh, well, the new. Uh, yeah. What, what What about Undertale, though? No, Undertale is a really great example of. There's a billion ways to approach that game, and they're all valid and all rewarded with new interactions. You may not get the interaction that you want unless you do the harder options but you still at least can get through things yeah and uh i'm trying to think of other games that have been that flexible in how you approach everything pyre pyre maybe um pyre is great because it's a game that forces you to as you're collecting your characters you need to use all of them and you have to make basically a horrible Sophie's choice when you get to each of the liberation rights because you're essentially going, I could give away my best NBA player or I could send up the guy who, you know, is, is good, but I'm not particularly good with them. But you can't just send your weakest player up because the game actually will tell you, like, this person has not been enlightened yet, so you can't send them. You have to send... So if you've been playing specifically with one character, let's say, that's the only character you can send up. Mm, so gotcha. it's one of those things where you have to kind of... You actually need to play with all the characters because you have to sort of figure out how you're going to deal with the fact that you're going to actually just constantly be losing them as the game progresses. Gotcha. And it's not a fun choice in any way, shape, or form. Like, I gave away my best player, like, right at the beginning, and I was like, well, shit, now i got to learn how to play somebody else. <laughs> and then it was like, that's when I realized that the game was actually trying to tell me it's not about playing the one, like, one character. It's you need to maneuver all of the characters that you've selected, and you need to try to work with their skills for the different rights that you're playing in. And that's kind of what made Pyre such a really unique experience. And your choices, yes, they kind of matter, but... Like, Supergiant's very good at also trying to get you to play with everything that exists in the world. Okay. Yeah. Having not played that one yet, I can't speak to its relevancy, but what you've said so far has definitely made me interested in that. All right, so Mac, I think it's time for you to defend Easy Street. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and I can gladly do that, because there is... Nothing in the majority of games, and 
and it's not an Eastern versus Western style, you know, the Japanese developed or the Western developed. It doesn't matter. There comes a point in time where if you give me an option that I can only pick at the very beginning of easy, normal, or hard, nine times out of ten, I'm going to pick the easiest mode. Reason being is there is only so much time that I have to play games in life. And I don't trust most developers not to accidentally screw up and put in a difficulty wall or a difficulty spike that wastes my time doing something that I may not like to do. If you don't make me make that choice at the start and make it flexible to where I can change on the fly, I'm much more willing to give your normal playthrough a shot. Because then if it gets too grindy or too hard or annoying in a way that I don't feel like you've given me a good way to deal with those strategies without, like we said before, going through and making those perfect. You're playing this way. You've got to build your characters this way. Like Trent said about the, you know, the Zodiac signs for Final Fantasy Tactics characters or Valkyria Chronicles where you've got to abuse your scouts to make it the best possible options. Things like that where you can play the perfect way but it may not be the fun way. You know, you don't have as many ways to express yourself in gaming and to use certain characters that may not be ideal. So I'm going to go easy street the majority of the time because I just don't trust games. And it comes from starting and starting games. And like Sam said, in the NES days, they didn't give you difficulty options for most games back then. So you'd hit a wall and you'd be like, well, that was fun while it lasted. Game over. I'm tired of playing this. Moving on. And speaking as a guy who, as much as I play games with difficulty settings, I also play a lot of games that invite a certain level of stealth, of self-imposed challenge, which is, you know, yeah, 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 take your shot, immersive sims, deus ex, and whatnot. I do favor non-lethal, and that's usually harder. I think a game coming up with ways to invite and reward that sort of play, and I mean, not every game has to, but when it does happen, just the idea of setting your own bars for difficulty is really compelling, and I don't know if, you know, games quite do that anymore. Or not not that they don't do that, or they don't think about having that option. Mm-hmm. It's like what Sam was saying, too, about the Supergiant games. Bastion was great with that because you were given in the middle of the game not just a choice between easy, normal, and hard. You had ways of making the game easier or harder, and it would reward you or scale back your rewards based on which modifications you took. And I think that's a great way of dealing with things because if you're getting in somewhere and you feel like, well... It's not that the game is too hard to beat. It's that I don't feel like wasting my time trudging through this and making it easier. Or maybe sometimes you just want to sit back and have a time that you're not mentally expending as much energy. And you just want to kind of grind something and just mindlessly play something and enjoy the story of it. And not worry as much about having the perfect strategy. That, that, right. that was a great way of dealing with things. Right, but there are instances where if there, there's no um, 
amping difficulty, if there's no additional challenge, the grinding just kind of becomes monotonous. You're not seeing the full value of your investment, right? Which is why I, I feel like I, I really enjoy games like Final Fantasy because there are no set difficulty settings for most Final Fantasy games. And instead, you know, in order to overcome certain challenges or certain bosses or certain dungeons, you need to either grind or, or find a way to kind of finagle your party setup or your stats or your abilities. There, there are subsystems that kind of layer on top of each other, which present a different type of challenge. But for me, it's more mentally stimulating because I'm still overcoming a hurdle. And in those instances, if I were to take the easiest route, why would I invest the time and energy to, to you know, better allocate my, my party resources or uh, grind even, you know? Like, I, I'm the type of person who enjoys grinding. So I guess what I'm saying is that there are instances where you need a, de a degree of challenge to really feel like the grinding is worthwhile. Yeah, and you play a game, possibly, you know, a Final Fantasy-style game, like Bravely Default, not getting into anything else about this game other than the options that it had for changing your difficulty on the fly from, you know, easy all the way up to hard, and changing your encounter rate from no encounters to, you know, double the encounter rate. That gave more flexibility in a game like that. And that was one of the things I liked about it, that I thought other games should have crept from that and said, hey, you know, we're going to use this in some of our development instead of just saying, well, this is easy, this is hard, this is, you know, if you go on easy, you're going to have a mindless time, or if you go on hard, you're going to be expected to be perfect. You know, that gave you the flexibility, and you could change those at any time. Now, I like that aspect of it. All right, so do we have any other thoughts to wind this down? I'll just go ahead and clean up and just say that options are always the best, whether it's playing something like Dark Souls, and I would be willing to say that something like Dark Souls even has like certain builds you can do that are easier to play and make the game easier than other builds. Plus, you do have the option of bringing in people for co-op, which makes the bosses a little bit more challenging, but if you have a good partner in there, it gives you more flexibility. Or something as easy as like an, an MMO like Final Fantasy XIV. You have options of going through like the main story modes, which are pretty straightforward and easy. But if you really want challenges, they put in like extreme and savage level difficulties or ultimate level difficulties of these things for people that want to just continue to go back and continue to get better and be the best they can. And that's great for them. As long as you don't hinder the experience for people that just want to play the game. And I think that goes back to what the Bioware employee that you were mentioning said. The spirit of that comment to me would mean I want to be able to experience your entire game without any hindrances. Be it too much difficulty, too much talking, anything like that. There should be options for those things in there to experience and enjoy a game. But that doesn't mean like, you know, something like Super Meat Boy would need a play yourself mode where you can say, oh, yeah, I beat Super Meat Boy. No, no, you if you just push a button and it just gets you through the stage and you just watch it happen. That's probably taking it too far. I think there is a good middle ground that can be met in almost 
every experience. But some games are going to be tougher to do that in. But I welcome developers to try. Trent? Um, I guess for me, I, I do agree in the sense that I think uh, as many difficulty options that you can present, I, I think that's a benefit to the game, providing they're distinguishable enough. Because there are some games where the difference between hard and very hard is somewhat negligible. Uh, maybe there's just a restriction on how many of uh, some sort of resource you're able to access, or, or it's just a slightly harder experience. But I guess I ultimately want rpgs to be accessible to people i want more people to play rpgs so that the genre can continue to grow and do new and exciting things uh, the only thing that i find really frustrating is when a difficulty a set normal difficulty or just the only difficulty a, a game has uh has spikes or is broken to some extent uh maybe there are pieces towards the end where the scaling of the difficulty is just too challenging and it makes you want to stop playing the game altogether um that was certainly the experience for me when i played magna carta 2 which is kind of an underrated game that i enjoyed up until the end when it became impossible to play uh so for me uh Difficulty settings that make sense for the game, I think, is the the ideal. And uh, I, I also would agree that I, I don't want it to see any gamers shaming other gamers uh, because of the difficulty settings they play on. I think it should be kind of a personal thing. You know, and shame on the people that do that. Yeah. Because to be honest, that's just... I'm going to drop an F on me. It's fucking shitty. Don't do it. Don't be the big man on campus. Just because, oh my god, I play it on X difficulty. Guess what? No one gives a shit but you. Yeah. And no one cares if you know how to cheese every subsystem to make the game easy either. Like, I love... I'm learning to love playing games on easy. Like, I am slowly becoming Easy Street Junior here. And that's just because my lifestyle has changed in a way where... I work more, Street. you know, I've got other Lady activities Easy that Street. I do, and I still want to be able to experience games in a way where I still feel like I'm participating. Um, and I'm not going to lie, like, I recently beat Yakuza Kiwimi on easy, you know why? Because I looked at my time and said, you know what, I've already played this game before, I'm just going to power through it. Um, you know, where other games where it's like I'm already happy and understand the nuances of it, yeah, I'm going to play it on a normal difficulty. Sometimes I think it just also depends what you're encountering. If you're playing something new for the first time, like it's a new series, I'd rather play it on easy just because, you know what, if I don't end up liking it, at least I didn't scream about the difficulty. Whereas, like, if it's something like, you know, Dragon Age or Persona, I'm always going to try to play it on a normal difficulty because it's like, I already kind of have an idea of what the developers are going to throw at me. And I think it also boils down to, again, how much does the aesthetic actually matter to you? The aesthetic of difficulty. And what are your actual priorities when you play a game? Like, should difficulty matter that much? And I'm in the camp that doesn't give a shit. I well, play games because I want to play a game. I think, and here's what I come back to, is that I think difficulty and punishment have to say something about the game or the story itself as opposed to just 
cranking up the numbers or cranking down your numbers for the sake of arbitrary challenge. Like, I'm not in this to prove my skills. I'm in this for an enjoyable evening's entertainment. And so if you tell me that, you know what, that it's if you show me a game that is entertaining because of how its encounters are structured or how failure is punished, then guess what? I'm fine. But if, if you just want to throw a million hit points at me, then you can bugger off. So wait, why do you still play Super Robot Wars? Because I really like the crossover bits and the silly fun. And yeah, I, I don't often beat the bosses at the end. Although I did beat OG1 the hardest way. So there. <laughs> Is that your difficulty champing? He got yeah, good. I, I get good. I got good. You heard it first, guys. He says he doesn't give a shit, but he beat Super Robot Wars OG1 on the hardest bit. Well, not not New Game Plus hard mode, but just, no, I, I beat OG1 on the path that doesn't give you the easy button and with uh, all of, with a bunch of the extra objectives completed that make the final boss harder. They don't tell you that. Don't do optional objectives in Super Robot Wars. <laughs> But uh, we don't have any feedback from last week because of the way we're recording and we didn't necessarily leave a lot of breathing room for anyone to comment. But of course, you should comment or subscribe or share your friends or, you know, join the San Marcello Fan Club 995. You can do all that at rpgamer.com. Have a great day. I never endorse this fan club. <laughs> fan club. Excellent. Party time. I didn't endorse this. I didn't want it. You didn't stop it either. <laughs> yeah, you haven't friends. returned. You haven't returned any of the money from it. So yeah. I haven't seen a cent of the money. That's not, you know, that's, that's beside the point. The point. Yeah, you don't make this turn into a Selena situation, Sam. You haven't returned any of it. Just because you haven't gotten any of it doesn't matter. <laughs> Alright, next time. I'm going to go play a game on hard mode just to make myself feel better now. I'm, I'm not. not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play Dynasty Warriors on beginner, thank you very much. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to play. I'm going to go play Dark Souls using only a ladle. <laughs> uh, what about now, is that hands? the ladle weapon for your character, or are you just going to use a ladle to manipulate the controller? Both. Can we do a spoof of, of lethal weapon called ladle weapon? Sure. Ladle weapon. It, it is two uh, cops who don't play by the rule, or no, two chefs who don't play the by the rules, and uh, uh, it somehow it's about nom. The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production. Visit rpgamer.com for past episodes, comments, sections, other great podcasts, as well as piles upon piles of written content. All music is courtesy of ocremix.com, composed by Nobuo Oimatsu. Thank you for listening.